The sponsor for the Shepherd's Crook podcast for the month of January is the Shepherd's Crook. Three things I want to remind you of. Number one, the Shepherd's Crook cohort. The cutoff date for signing up is the 15th. It costs $100, and it is a video-based cohort on the last Saturday of every month through June, and it will be conversational about who is a pastor and what does a pastor do. Reach out today. Secondly, I want to remind you of the Shepherd's Crook for Wives with the podcast and articles rolling out in January, the Fruitful and Fearless podcast, and the articles will be featured on the shepherdscrook.co. And then third, be looking out for more articles coming out weekly and monthly at the shepherdscrook.co under articles. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. We are back. I hope you had a great Christmas, and I hope you have this week a good New Year's Day. And I am now excited to get back and do the series from uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3. And today I want to talk to you about the pastor and money, and specifically not being a lover of money. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this time. I ask for clarity and direction as I speak about something that's hard to talk about, the pastor and money. It's just weird and almost every way you can talk about it and every angle you look at it. And so give me wisdom to talk through uh, this issue that pastors really struggle to talk about. And help me, and I trust you well, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, here it is from 1 Timothy chapter 3. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. Not a lover of money. Okay, let's talk money. There, there are some challenges when we begin to talk about this in pastoral ministry. And if you're in a, in seminary or if you're just getting in, your feet wet with ministry, maybe you're a youth pastor, but you're not a lead pastor yet or a paid staff pastor yet at a church, but you're moving in that direction, then these are conversations that you need to be aware of coming down the line. And there are specific challenges that come with talking about this, specifically for me, and I'll just mention a couple of them. Number one, it's hard to talk about because... Churches have to decide how much they're going to pay a pastor. And typically, the feelings from churches and from pastors are in conflict with one another. And I'm just going to be real honest with you. And this is difficult also for me, the the added difficulty, because I have people from our church that listen to this podcast. And our church has been so kind to our family with money. But even right now, I submitted a financial request to our church uh, several months ago. And now I'm here talking about not a lover of money. And we have people from our church that listen to this, and it's just a, it's just an odd thing. So I'm trying to push through the oddities of this just to help you and equip you and to get you thinking about these things because I don't want you to be a lover of money, and I don't want to be a lover of money. There are common feelings that pastors share and that congregations share. From the church, often churches think about pastors, that pastors are underworked and, and overpaid, underworked and overpaid. And so congregations have feelings about what the pastor is doing or not doing because so much of pastoral work is behind the scenes and is 
confidential. For instance, if you meet with somebody and talk with somebody confidentially, you aren't sharing with people and you aren't putting that on a report for everybody to see that you're meeting with somebody about this particular topic because it's a confidential meeting. Confidential phone calls that you get. I get phone calls regularly from couples, for instance, in crisis. And I don't talk about it publicly because it's couples in crisis and it's confidential care unless it needs to be exposed or talked about at a broader level with the elder team or something like that. Those are things that I have to keep to myself and that you should keep to yourself. And so there's typical feelings that happen from churches about pastors because they don't know the work of pastoral ministry has to do with all of life. And they have to be trained in that. But then on the other side, the difficulty is, and, and to be fair, there are some pastors who use congregations for a cush salary and benefits, and they all they do is just preach, or they just, and they don't even prepare new sermons. So to be fair, there are pastors that are lazy and don't do the work of ministry and just use congregations to have a, a cush life. Okay, so that that is that that does happen, and that's terrible and it's horrendous. But on the flip side, other pastors feel overworked and underpaid, okay? So there's this clash that happens when churches feel like, congregants feel like that pastors are underworked and overpaid and pastors feel overworked and underpaid. And statistics show this. If you get on like Barna Research or something like that, or if you look at any sort of uh, pastoral study and ask pastors if they, how, what do they feel about their salary? And there's some you know, pretty sad statistics. And so what can happen is just very uncomfortable relationships between pastors and churches. And what I want is an avoidance of that, because here's the deal, most likely pastor or soon to be pastor, you're probably never going to have that great of a salary. And if you're in this because you are a lover of money, well, you're going into the wrong calling. This is not where you need to be. We clearly are not to be lovers of money. So I want to specifically now get into how to not be a lover of money. Okay, well, I just got to preach a sermon just yesterday on the Great Commission. And often when lovers of money are, are just in this knot financially, and it's because the reason is, is because they're living for themselves. They don't have a vision bigger than themselves, and they don't have a purpose bigger than themselves. And if a pastor is a lover of money, then he's going to be spending all his money and trying to make all his money and do all his ministry specifically to build his own kingdom. So his money and his investments are all about himself. There's no bigger vision for that money than themselves, whether it be vacations or investments for whatever they're wanting to do or whatever rewards they're wanting to get for themselves. It's all going to be about them. But the scriptures don't allow us, if we're going to be biblically faithful, just as Christian men dealing with money, the, the scriptures don't allow us to make money or to have money for ourselves. Money is a tool, and it's a morally neutral tool. It can be a good gift, or it can be, or it can be a curse. Money is neutral, but if you're a lover of money, it can destroy all kinds of things. That's why it says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It comes out in all different ways, from jealousy to selfishness to anger to rage to manipulation. If you love money, you will manipulate anybody to get it. And if you love money, you'll become a, a politician and abandon being a preacher. You will abandon the prophetic edge from the scriptures that you're called to, to preach the word in season and out of season, and you'll do whatever you can. You'll turn into a monkey and dance to get money. If it will get people in the doors or do whatever you, or get you affirmation to get more people to give, that's what you'll do. 
And so we can't be a lover of money. So we have to have a vision bigger than ourselves. And so the Great Commission gives us this. This is what we've been commissioned to. Going to all the world, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The Great Commission is to the nations and generations. Nations and generations. The money we do have is not just for us. It's not just for our family. And so if you are not a lover of money, you're going to see your money that God has given you as a tool to take care of your family and to propel the gospel forward to the nations. And not just to the nations, but to the generations. And this is why I want to talk about inheritance, because to be responsible with the money that God has given us is to think about our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And I want to challenge you today, Pastor, with the little money you have to steward it well so your great-grandchildren are affected. And here's what it says in 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14, there's a little verse that I had read over for years and had never seen. And finally, it just jumped out at me one day. And here's what it says. Here for the third time, I'm ready to come to you. And I will not be a burden, for I seek not what is yours, but you. For children are not obligated to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. Now, isn't that fascinating? Parents are obligated to save for their children, to save up for their children. If you don't have a vision beyond you for the finances that God has blessed you with, you will not care at all about the well-being of your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. And I want you to think about not just the nations, but the generations and the effect of your life, not just in proclaiming the gospel, but of saving up money for your great-grandchildren. We have reaped the benefits, our family has reaped the benefits of faithful saving from generations past. Several years ago, we had an aunt who passed away, my wife's aunt, and left us money specifically to build a house. And I'm being just honest honest with you here. We got to build a brand new home because, because grandparents saved and left money to their daughter who left money to our family. And it is affecting my children and will affect our grandchildren, and hopefully our great-grandchildren. I've never met the grandparents who saved up that money, my, my wife's grandparents, and who left that to their daughter, and then who left that to us. I've never, I never met them. But my children are reaping the benefits of their wisdom with money. And that's what I want to challenge you with, men. Leave a spiritual legacy of, of valiantly following and running after the Lord, but also leave a le- legacy of good stewardship, which is what I want to leave you with. Be a good steward. If you're not to be a lover of money, you're going to be a good steward of money. And as stated before, you're probably not going to have much. You're probably not going to be blessed with a really big salary or even maybe an average salary. So you're going to have to steward it well. And in fact, I told one time, and to congregations that are listening, I heard one time, Noah Oldham, who's a friend who's been on the podcast before, and he said, if, if, you're, if you want your pastor to be a lover of money, don't give, him, don't give him much. It's a hard thing to not have a lot of money and not be a lover of money. And so, pastor, if you don't have a lot, watch your heart, because you'll start thinking, and I'll start thinking, a little bit more money is the answer. And friends, for people who have a little bit more money, they can tell you that money is not the answer, Okay. But if you're going to do well and leave money and save money to your children and grandchildren and live for something and someone bigger than yourself, a mission bigger than yourself, and a purpose bigger than yourself with money, you've got to be a good steward. So a couple small tidbits. Don't get credit cards. 
Interest will either make you rich or make you broke. And the financial decisions you make in your 20s and 30s will haunt you into your 40s, 50s, and 60s, or it will bless you into your 40s, 50s, and 60s. Your 20s and 30s are so crucial financially. And so, Pastor, if you don't know how to do money, then get Dave Ramsey and spend the money to watch that series and to get that program and do what you have to do to understand money now. It is crucial. If you don't understand money, you have to now, or it's going to affect you the rest of your life and ministry. And then another just small thing, if you can buy a house before you're 35 years old, that is huge because usually a home loan or mortgage is 30 is 30 years and you need to get to formal retirement age at 65 out of debt owning a home because you need a place to live when you retire. And most likely the church is going to be able to provide for you some sort of retirement. A lot of churches, most churches do, but it's probably not going to be millions of dollars to be able to help you live the rest of your life. You're going to continue to have to steward your money well when you're retired, but you need a place to live when you are retired. And so buy a house when you can, as early as you can. And then lastly, get a Roth IRA. Start putting right now, whatever you do, like today, if you're listening to this, if you don't have a Roth IRA, you can put in $5,000 a year into that thing. It's an IRA, is an individual retirement account. Start it today. Look, get on TD Ameritrade, start it somewhere, Go to your local bank, get somebody to help you, call your parents, grandparents, whoever. Get a Roth IRA today. Start it now before even getting retirement from your church. Start it personally as soon as you possibly can. And that will pay off for you exponentially when you're in your 60s and into your 70s. Be a steward of all that God has given you and you won't be a lover of money. Stewardship, generosity, Living on mission for the nations and generations will jolt you out of being a lover of money. If you're going to be God's man in ministry, this is a qualification. We cannot be lovers of money. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit theshepherdscrook.co. For care and counsel, please call, text, or email to set up a session. You can follow The Shepherd's Crook on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please consider sharing this episode and leaving a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use. And let me encourage you to remember Jesus Christ.